0: Everybody, and welcome to another episode of Raw. That's reflecting and analyzing wrestling. My name is Kiona, also known as Neoplasmic. And to my left on screen is
1: Paul. Hello there, everyone. And Kiona, we are joined by the third man, as they once said in wrestling. Who is the third man?
2: Oh, I think nice. I'm going to make
1: that our big marketing thing for this episode. Who is the third man? And it is none other than the man, <laughs> the powerhouse of podcasting, Mr. Kevin Zane. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul
2: and Keona. Uh, it's great to be here. I'd like to say I'm back, but can I really say I'm back when this is my first time on this show? It's hard for me to keep track of all these shows you got, Paul.
1: <laughs> I I mean, I spin a lot of plates. I try to, I try to keep up. Um, Yes, we uh, Kevin has been a guest on the uh, Wrestling Renegades podcast that we used to do here with Clockshelves Entertainment. Of course, this is a co-production of Clockshelves Entertainment and Renegade Pop Culture, represented mm-hmm. by uh, Kiona slash Neoplasmic over there. Um, mm-hmm. But we knew we had to get something very big for this episode, and who bigger than the man himself, Kevin Zayn? <laughs>
2: Both uh, figuratively and literally nowadays, um, <laughs> I <laughs> gotta start. I gotta start off. Uh, I gotta. I gotta fact check you guys. You, you know, I listened to the first two episodes,
0: mm-hmm.
2: starting off with a fact check because that's just what Please. I do.
0: Please, and
2: do. it may disappoint you, Neo. Personally, it's okay. Uh, Max Moon was yes. originally played by Conan. However, uh-huh. the man you saw under the mask wrestling show Michaels on the first episode was not Conan. They switched it. Conan said, I can't take this. I'm out. And uh-huh. it, the outfit fit Paul Diamond, who previously was Kato of the Orient Express, and that's who uh-huh. on the first episode of Raw. So I just wanted to get that straight. I right.
0: thought that was, yeah, I thought it looked kind of not like Conan in a way, but but uh, anyway. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah. Thank you for that.
2: Couldn't let that stand. <laughs>
0: no you just can't no misinformation here (laughs) there's no fake news on this program
1: fake news for the fake fake. sport you know come on yeah pay (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right so So, um we have two main things that we do kind of on the show and i'm sure at some point we might get something going with uh uh we might have to rename the segment now, but uh, previously Tang's takeoffs with regards to, uh, neoplasmic over there doing some uh, impressions of things. But uh, I've been trying to do, uh, pro, what did I call it? Pro wrestling parlance with Paul PWPW, um, and maybe I'll just use kayfabe as our word for the week. There you go. Which is yeah. basically the idea of everything being uh, within this fictional world. Of wrestling Mm -hmm. we got to keep it all kayfabe we got to use the the language and the you know the um they used to use carny speak well we previously referred to the word mark um they would say they, they use a lot of like is speak you know smiz arc and and you know things like that so um kayfabe is just the entire concept of everything existing sort of within this fictional world of professional wrestling. If someone has a kayfabe injury, that means it is their injury within the storyline. And if they have a shoot injury, that's your bonus word of the week. um, That's a, something real. So there's real and there's kayfabe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's what
2: you asked me uh, for Jimmy Uso this past uh, Monday, Paul, you were like, is that, (laughs) is that a shoot? At a shoot
1: entry, yes. Uh, so as we are recording this, uh, about two days ago or so, Kevin and I actually went to the Raw is I keep wanting to say triple X, but I think they're branding it as 30. But you know, me as an attitude era kid, (laughs) I want to call it Raw is triple X. Yes, um, absolutely they knew what they were
2: doing oh 100
1: percent um but we went to that show and uh kiona and i were actually talking about that uh right before we uh we started and i said and i'm kind of springing this on kevin now i might try to get him over on a paul and all podcast to sort of talk about that um and we feel we might do <laughs> a whole uh episode on this show uh dedicated to that maybe Uh, later on in the year a little bit or something I'm not saying we can't talk about certain things right now of course but um, yes I definitely uh, remember that there was a little bit of um, some shenanigans and as we know I I haven't really seen it so far in anything that we've been watching but something that's uh, that happens in wrestling is a lot of there's a lot of hand signals Um, I actually was just watching a video about this recently where there's certain things that they'll do to indicate, uh, you know, uh, when they give a DDT and to know that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. the DDT, they smack the the person giving the move, smacks the person on the back, which says, hey, actually take it this time, as opposed to, you know, reverse it or what have you. And one of the hand signals that the referees do is they close their fists and put up an X with their forearms to indicate that something is mm-hmm. really going on. They, the, meaning the WWE and the wrestling Producers figured out that we figured out what that means, the, the so X, they have yeah yeah. So they have now started to use it against us to fake us out. It's a double uh-huh. fake. Uh, yeah And they used it this past Monday with uh, with regards to the usos. I think.
2: Yes, they did.
1: <laughs> so uh, you, you could actually
2: hear the the crowd as soon as the referee threw up the X. The crowd just went oh. So, like, everybody knows
1: that this... Right. Um, yeah,
0: I remember. That used to be, like, that That was a surefire sign that it was something that was uh, a shoot injury or something that had gone wrong in the match.
1: I gotta say, like, personally, I mean, I I, I know it's not necessarily what we're here to talk about uh, today, but I gotta say, I like the fact that they mm-hmm. are kind of using that almost against us now. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I like when... They come up when they being the like the the powers that be the produce, whatever you want to call them when they figure out that we have figured out stuff. So then they use that against us to continue the idea of kayfabe and what is a work and what is a shoot and you know what I mean? All that sort of stuff. I like that personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the old trickeration, you know, you got to use that sometimes on the audience. Exactly, sport, we can
2: call it that. Always... <laughs> the sport is always evolving. If we can mm-hmm. call it a sport mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> our great sport as uh, one, but Tony yeah, Schiavone I think it would be say.
0: interesting to do that.
1: <laughs> Ski <Skiabon! laughs> um,
0: I think that uh, it would be an interesting like bookend uh, to to cover that show at the end of this uh, podcast series. Or maybe around the middle portion or whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it. But I just think it would be an interesting sort of a callback or a bookend.
1: I agree. In every generation there is a chosen one. She alone will stand against the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. She is the Slayer. And now, thanks to Clockshelves Entertainment, we bring you Buffy Verse and Converse, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe themed podcast, as we re watch every episode of the beloved franchise. Whether you're a first time viewer or been a fangtastic fan from the beginning, this show has something for you. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts and celebrate with us as we celebrate 25 years of Buffy rolling into Sunnydale. And into our geeky hearts.
0: Alright. So should should we go on the show here? Should we get on with the with well, episode yeah, so, three of Monday Night Raw?
1: So one of the things that I wanted to ask, um, I I'm not gonna lie to to the audience there. Um when Kiona and I started this, being wrestling fans and being from like the fact that um, I know uh, getting to know a few of the uh, renegade pop culture people. Some of them are into wrestling. Obviously, I know some of the mm-hmm. uh, the clock shelves people are into wrestling because we used to do a wrestling show, things like that. So uh, we kind of reached out to a few of our, you know, kind of trusted circles. Said, hey, we're going to be starting this wrestling podcast and things, and you know, we're, you know, basically mm-hmm. there's an open invitation to pretty much anybody out there in our kind of sphere of people and one of the first people to uh, hit me back very quickly was uh our third man here mr kevin as saying that he wanted to be on <laughs> this episode with the uh, loser leaves town loser leaves wwf match um in particular and uh mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. kevin is there a i mean there has to be a specific reason that you wanted to be on this episode
2: Well, yeah, uh, I'll give a little backstory. Um, you probably know this, Paul. Uh, I've been a wrestling fan pretty much all my life since uh, since nineteen eighty nine. Stumbled upon uh, Randy Savage on the Brother Love show on actually what was actually the uh, the Spanish uh, language broadcast at the time. But I was so transfixed on on what was on my screen, and I couldn't take my eyes away. Uh, and, I, and I just kept going from there. <laughs> um so i was i was there and and watching uh raw from the beginning and before that primetime wrestling and whatever else uh so it's hard to put into words for for someone who wasn't there and i think at uh i was about 10 years old at the time uh, i was really in kind of the target demographic for for what the wwf was going for and uh the the hype around Raw and that that this was going to be something that was completely different that had never been seen before this weekly live show. Um, And the fact that this episode, the third episode, the first two, they were kind of working out the kinks, right? I mean, you got, you could see that pretty plainly Um, and you guys discussed it, but this third episode uh, is when it really kind of became must see. Uh, Because you had this big this huge match like they had they could have done Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair loser leaves WWF at the Royal Rumble like it it was the day it was literally the day before they could have done that on pay-per-view made you pay to see it but they put it on this show and this is the first memory I have like obviously I remember watching the first couple episodes but this is the first big memory like the first big thing that actually happened that, that surprised me. And that, you know, when, when I went to school the next day that all the kids were talking about.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was knew- thinking
0: about that too. Cause I was like, wow, this is, this is a really high profile match for this type of, you know, kind of a weekly broadcast show. So that was and interesting. It-
2: it really hadn't been done before. Like you were used to yeah. seeing prime, prime wrestling, you know, I believe it was, it was two hours uh, every Tuesday or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was still that they, they gave you storyline buildup a lot of time, but it was for the most part, still a lot of squash matches, which is what you'd see. And we're always seeing on uh, Saturday mornings. So for something like this, uh, a big big match like this would usually be reserved for, if it was going to be on TV and not pay-per-view, it would be like a Saturday night's main event or something like that. But, you know, for this to be on a weekly show and to get used to seeing like named uh, superstars going up against one another, it, it really was yeah. different. And I think that a newer fan probably wouldn't be able to comprehend mm-hmm. that because they just see it all the time now for two, three hours mm-hmm. every night. Mm-hmm. Very
0: true. Very true. Yeah. We were coming out of that era of like the squash matches, and you know that that's all that you see is just enhancement talent as they call them,
2: yeah, and even uh even the first match, macho man versus repo man, like that was a, two...
0: that was a high profile match, yeah, yeah,
2: those were two name competitors like going at it in a in a well that I think they had originally said it was going to be a street fight, right, but then it wasn't, yeah, Whatever. then it
1: wasn't <laughs> um. I do before. I, obviously, I want to talk about about that match. Uh, I do want to make uh what because believe it or not, I actually took some notes this time. I know Keona has taken a few notes the last nice. few times, but uh, I actually took some notes this time. And two of my uh my very well three actually of my very first notes are Bobby Heenan finally joins the commentary team proper because uh, mm-hmm. as we know, for the first two episodes, he was having a difficult time. Well, the first episode in particular, he was having a difficult time getting into the building. Um, and at one point, uh, between the first two episodes, he, uh, he called them uh, and they kind of patched him in through the phone. Yep. Um, we unfortunately still have that Bartlett guy as I keep referring to him, but Um, I have to admit hearing Bobby Heenan just go off on Rob Bartlett, like throughout the entire show was gold. (laughs) Yeah, no, a (laughs) hundred percent. And that's actually so I'll skip right ahead to my third note in, instead, which is he Heenan even asks Vince, where yes. did you get yes. this guy? Yes. <laughs> and I said, and that's the actually question gives we, him an answer. I said, that's the question we all want answered, Mr. Heenan. Where did you get this guy? <laughs> Bobby Heenan, voice of the humanoids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing that made me kind of Definitely. surprised. And was, uh, it. It
2: was Funny how he did it too because he made it like he was leaning in and whispering to Vince, but the way yeah. it comes across on the mic, you hear it like twice as loud because he's like invincible. Yeah, he's too. like, Yeah, uh, Vince, the- Vince,
0: where did they get this guy? And Vince goes, Never mind that. And then he's like, Well, if you must know, he was coming up the subway, and we just decided to uh hand him some. The uh- <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> Brain- brain's just like, You'll give anybody a handout, won't you?
2: So what I loved about uh this particular episode, uh he kind of shut up there at the end. Like he, he had spent really the first two. Up. Yeah. He spent the first two episodes of this show, like, and, and this was what really boggles the mind that Vince would put this guy on air, like he's yeah. burying your your product. Like exactly. you hired this guy to be the voice of the show and he's burying your product. He's making fun of the, the guys who were supposed to be, you know, your big giant heels, you know, the, the monsters that everybody's supposed to be scared of. And he's just down there yeah. talking smack about them. And uh, I love that he just kind of laid out once things got actually quote unquote serious or as serious as, as it's going to be on a, on a pro wrestling show. Uh, and he let, Heenan and and Vince do their thing for yeah. Perfect versus Flair.
0: Well, to the point that regard- Vince actually goes like, I was like, You're really quiet there, Mr. Bartlett.
2: <laughs> like, with, with I, know, regard- I noticed I it before Vince said it, and I thought he was gone. I, I thought like, he, he just kind of got excused. Uh, but then yeah. Vince said something yeah. about it. I was like, Oh, wow, he really is still there.
1: <laughs> well, with regard to the uh, like Bartlett kind of talking like you said like burying the product that was actually one of my notes about that very first match uh between Mm macho man and repo man which that that lineup doesn't work because you can't have a a a man like somebody with the name man versus somebody with the name man it doesn't it doesn't work they're they're Um, just they're just fighting for the title of man yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't work um but Bartlett seemed to be making bald jokes about at least Repo Man and maybe even Macho Man as well. Yeah, because he
0: mentioned Randy Savage. He said, "Didn't he say something about like a flesh-colored beanie
1: or something?" Yes. And then I literally wrote Bartlett is making
0: stupid line.
1: I mentioned I wrote Bartlett is making bald jokes about Repo and maybe Savage. Bartlett is the worst. He is. i'll tell you what threw
2: me for a loop though uh with bartlett too while macho man was in the (laughs) ring uh they he did uh first first of all his impression he did uh mike tyson and i think somebody else in the first couple episodes and they were just terrible impressions horrible he kind of like very briefly did a macho man impression
0: it actually was a pretty good Macho Man impression.
2: Yeah, it, it threw me for a loop because I thought, "Wait, is Macho Man back on competition? He can't be. He's in the ring." Like, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, wait, that was Bartlett doing. a yeah. Macho Maybe that's what yeah. got him his job."
1: Well, we yeah. have someone on this program. Get... We have someone oh, no. on this program that does a Macho Man impression. I can't. I can't do it tonight.
0: <laughs> I can't do it tonight. My throat is too destroyed from from all yesterday. Right, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no impression. There's no tanks takeoffs this time, but we'll get to it again later. Well, you maybe know, that one I, I might be able to do a Kevin razor Ramon on the
1: Show
0: maybe. right. I, I might do a razor Ramon baby, later though, because that that one's not too hard to do. <laughs> I could do the Kamala. I can, I, I can do that one, but that's probably a little problematic nowadays.
2: Here, here's my Kamala. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs>
0: Mm. very good well done 10 out of (laughs) 10 would listen again thank
1: you you. Uh. so if you haven't already uh, go check out on content club one of the bonus episodes we have once a month is a show called two of us it features myself and my father uh, going through some different things in Beatles history Uh, I know that That may not sound like fun to some people, you may not be a Beatles fan, or maybe you're just a casual fan or what have you, but we're making some interesting discoveries along the way. Because one of the things that we uh, have with that show is I provide a lot of research and things like that, and my dad, who was alive for a lot of it, but kind of caught up later because it was happening when he was, you know, incredibly young, uh, but he is one of the biggest Beatles fans I know, one of the biggest Beatles fans you'll probably ever meet if you get the chance to meet him, of course. But we kind of provide, it's, it's almost like a sports commentary sort of deal, where I provide some play-by-play, play and he provides the color, meaning he can provide some context and some things because he's read various uh, books, he's seen various interviews, and heard various interviews and all of these things, and he has such a vast knowledge of all things Beatle-related, and we're covering some topics that aren't necessarily the major topics when it comes to the Beatles. So, if you might be interested, go check it out. It's available on Content Club right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves, and it is called Two of Us, and it's us going through the long and winding road of the Beatles. Did you know, I also hear at the beginning on commentary when they were setting up everything? Vince said that there was supposed to be a Bushwhacker's match on this episode. <laughs>
2: you're, oh, yeah. you're right. You're
1: right. You are right.
2: Thank God there wasn't. But uh <laughs> yeah, he did say that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know that it's was funny because I
1: for time. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I looked ahead. Just because I wanted to see maybe, because as much as this was live and and what have you, I think, um, and I think even uh, Bruce Pritchard has talked about this on his podcast. They quickly learned that they didn't necessarily want to go live with everything every single week. So they maybe did like one or two matches uh, that they would you know, record you know, the week prior or what have you, and then kind of do like a like a half live half taped show kind of in the early ones and whatnot. But I even mm-hmm. looked ahead to next week, and there's no Bush... I'm, spoiler alert for a show that's 30 years old. There's no Bushwhackers match next week either. So I'm very curious as to where he got that and why he made that announcement. That might if have been like... To- oh, go Sorry. ahead, Kevin. Go ahead.
2: Kevin. If I had to guess, I'd say it was, you know, something like Flair or uh, Kurt a kind of pulling a power move. And like, uh, you're going to throw out the Bushwhackers for some stupid match and leave us with, like, six minutes to work with? No. Like, you know, because I think they did take two commercial breaks uh, th- through the Flair and Perfect match. So, uh, yeah, I think that the time was much better uh, put to use. Far, on, to far better. Than much.
1: Spent. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. um, I'm not going to lie. I I... With regards to the uh, the Macho Man, Repo Man match, really for me, I'm not saying it wasn't a good match. I think we all think very highly of Randy Savage, at least as a performer overall, whether it be Mike Skills or in the ring or what have you. But to yeah. me, the the kind of the gold of the match was the commentary between Vince and Bartlett, unfortunately, and Heenan. Because like we yes. said, like Heenan Kind of, Heenan finally, I don't want to say stands up for him, but we kind of, and we've talked about it in the the previous episodes where almost anything Bartlett said, Vince would be like, oh, well, I don't know about that, whatever. And then, but Heenan actually, like we said, kind of digs, you know, digs back at him and, you know, makes the, you know, where did you find this guy yeah, yes, you know does. all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm not saying the match yeah. wasn't good, but it, in my opinion, and it's kind of sad to say it wasn't as noteworthy as the commentary that was the soundtrack to it.
0: Because the real heel here is Bartlett. All day, every day. It's really no one else on this show. The real, <laughs> the major heel on this show is Rob Bartlett. I, I mean, You may not it, say
2: it all, but I will. I mean, the match wasn't good, but also it wasn't bad. Like, it served its purpose. Yeah, like, it served its purpose. Yeah, you, Macho you got his hat back.
0: That's the main thing. Yeah. His most prized possession. His most prized <laughs> possession. I love the fact that he actually just comes into the, just, just explodes into the ring from the audience and just doesn't even do his entrance because it's like, he doesn't have his hat.
1: <laughs> How do you do the Macho Man entrance without the hat and, you know, his his most prized possession?
0: He has no hat. He has no ring gear. It's just been it's been repossessed,
1: along with but Bartlett's he... car, as he reminds us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Didn't bring his car back. God bless you, Repo Man, doing the Lord's work.
2: <laughs> you guys know Repo Man with Smash from Demolition.
0: Uh, Paul told me that. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Of yeah. course, you guys do that, and I know that now. I'm just trying <laughs> to think of back in the day. If ten crazy. Was okay. Yeah, I'm wondering if 10-year-old Kev realized that, uh, even with the tattoo. No. He's got the same tattoo that Smash had, but did my little young brain pick nope. up on that? I don't think nope. I did.
0: Not, <laughs> even, not even a little.
1: <laughs> there were... Nope. So, so not not this, because I was still a little too young to comprehend a lot of the, you know, like, oh, this guy is that guy, and, you know, how easily they could go from, from healed, babyface, all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. as I got older... I do, you know, getting into, you know, kind of that, that age, I do remember there were certain things like, um, and I don't know how my dad, because my dad, I've talked about it before, but if I'll say it again, my dad is really what got me into wrestling. He's been watching wrestling pretty much his entire life. I've, for the, there was a time I was out of it. We've talked about it before, but I was pretty much watching it my entire life. Um, As far as I know, my dad didn't like, subscribe to like the dirt sheets or anything like that and obviously the internet wasn't always around so i'm very curious and i'll have to ask him one of these days how he learned a lot of the information that he learned maybe it was from his brother who had a little bit more money and you know maybe he subscribed to the dirt sheets things like that but i remember (laughs) one of the first things my dad telling me that um kane was dr isaac yankum and i was like no he's not oh my
0: god that's that's
1: like no he's not because i was like (laughs) there's no way and he was like yeah no it really is and i was like no it's not kane's burned under that mask dad like (laughs) 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 you know and but now like thinking back i'm like there's part of me that's like how did he know that it totally like, was Doctor Yeah, like, but how, like, how did he? You know what I mean? So it's it's interesting, like how and when you sort of learn these things, and when your your brain kind of goes like, "Oh, that is that person." And you know, uh, I have a, a comment later on about um, you know the whole lo- the the loser leaves WWF thing. That's actually what most of my notes uh, talk about, um, sort of the aftermath of that. But it's just kind of interesting when you when you think about, uh, you know, the fact that there was this whole other wrestling organization. But of course, they you know WWF never really commented on that sort of thing, and at least at this time, you know what I mean, and and what have you. So it's just interesting how sometimes you think about stuff like that sometimes you don't sometimes you realize it sometimes you don't and kind of what age like like kevin was just saying sort of at what age do you do you start to put it together where oh this actually is that thing and what have you yeah yeah um before we move on from the repo,
2: can i just tell you my favorite barry darso uh i don't even know if i can call it a memory because i just found it on youtube like a couple months ago uh uh-huh (laughs) <laughs> go on youtube search barry darso run dmc and oh, i'm gonna watch have to a clip from it
1: for when we're done <laughs> yeah you'll oh see a God. clip
2: of barry darso aka repo man aka demolition smash there Was a huge demolition van but all that aside this is the best thing he's ever done is going on mtv and they held i guess it was call in a certain 900 number and pick run dmc or cannabis And they had Booker T advocating for cannabis and Barry Darso, for some reason, advocating for Run DMC. And he cuts promos and talks about how much he loves Run DMC. My favorite thing ever. Better than Repo Man, better than Smash. And and that's being a huge Demolition fan.
1: Oh, I found it. I'm going to have to watch that a little bit later. (laughs) Oh, my, oh my God. It's like yeah. a it's like for for if if it's the clip that I'm thinking, it's literally just Barry Darso passionately defends Run DMC against Booker T and cannabis. It's like a seventeen. So definitely be watching that when we're done here. Oh my gosh, passionately pa- that's it's that's the it. word that it that that's there. I know I see it. I'm seeing it.
2: <laughs> and and by the way that's better uh that's from 1999 2000 somewhere around there. He, I actually think he's in better shape in in 2000 than he was here in 1993.
1: Oh, yeah. just by that that thumbnail alone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He he had
2: kind of he was relying on on those uh gray coverall tights at this point with
1: the tire marks on them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want to say that that since we brought him up, uh Dr. Isaac Yankum
1: is the best name for a wrestler since Haystack's Calhoun. Well, <laughs> i I'm, I'm sure you both know this, but for those who don't, that's an old I mean it's I think it's a joke long before, but um I think most everybody credits that joke to Bobby Heenan. Went to see my dentist, old old Dr. I Yankum. You know, like that was <laughs> that's that's a joke apparently that Bobby Heenan used to tell all the time. Dr. Yankum, Dr. Isaac Yankum, you know, I Yankum. Yeah,
0: I Yankum. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Oh, Bobby Heenan, you were the best.
1: <laughs> and that's why I'm glad that he's on this episode. I'm glad oh, that he's I'm so calling glad. out Rob Bartlett
0: for his crap. <laughs> doesn't he at one point, doesn't he say like, to, he he even says to Vince, like, he's like, he's like, what is this guy even saying? What is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Piggy says pick up a newspaper
0: completely incredulous you know I just love
2: it
0: hello all listeners of Clockshelves Entertainment I am Jacob known as the streaming demon over at Renegade Pop Culture need a distraction from all the chaos in the world well so do we and that's why we discuss all kinds of media that we love movies, cartoons, music comics, games, you name it we cover with giving respectful, honest and enthusiastic perspectives Find us on Podchaser, Banana Meter, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., or hop over to renegadepopculture.com. Renegade pop culture. You need an escape? So do we. Uh,
1: uh. Our second match, I'm not going to lie, I was not, I was kind of falling asleep during the match. <laughs> Maybe it's because I was at work, not sleeping at work, of course, because we and I also don't watch this at work for what it's worth. Never, ever, never, um, never, never. Um, but uh, I, I, the, the Kamala match, I just was not. I was I've never I, I can't ever remember being like super into like anything Kamala. That's just me, though.
0: No, I mean, I didn't even remember that he had a, a time as a baby face.
2: So I was kind of into this Kamala babyface turn, honestly, then and now, uh, because I I have I have an uh, abnormal I don't know if I want to say abnormal, but a rare appreciation for Kamala. Um, Now, Paul, I heard you uh, on an earlier episode uh, mention Sean Mooney's
1: podcast. Um, yeah the only one of the only reasons that i know about that podcast is because (laughs) i know you are a fan of that podcast (laughs) i I was a fan of that podcast it's
2: now uh long dead but uh that podcast really gave a lot of perspective into uh some of these wrestlers and their real lives from, from uh this mm-hmm. this time period and and shortly before uh, Kamala being one of them uh, he had had some health problems uh, around the time and he he went on I think a couple times on mooney's podcast really gave me an appreciation uh for him and uh, what he was going through and the fact that he was just you know this guy from Alabama or uh, Mississippi actually I think it was um who got saddled with this gimmick of being you know this monster from uganda uh where he'd never been or knew nothing about and just went out there and spent what 20 years in in making a living off of this character and through different phases and having different opponents and different managers uh i i just you know i'm into it i kind of like the guy
1: well yeah I, 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 i i could see that and I do have to say, like, one of the things uh, and I've talked about it with both of you uh, separately, uh, the fact that like I do listen to a lot of um, a lot of the, the wrestling podcasts that I listen to and I've talked about them before on on this show. You know, um, a lot of them are, are hosted or at least have something to do with uh, uh, Conrad Thompson, and he tends to go with a lot of people who had some sort of backstage role with regards to wrestling whether it be um you know he had the head of wcw for their most profitable time he had uh he has one with uh vince mcmahon's right hand man you know um the guy who was the head of talent relations slash on on camera announcer for the probably one of one of if not the highest point for the wwf you know what i mean things like that and one of the things that that i like hearing is some of those stories and I like when a lot of them talk about you know quote unquote the old days a lot of the territory days and mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. have been times where and I think I may have mentioned it when uh there was some a discussion about uh Coco Beware in one of the previous episodes like the fact that in some of the territories Coco Beware was like a huge not a huge deal but like he was one of the you know like a top draw or like you know semi main event in the territories um i'm not saying i'm not taking anything away from junkyard dog's time in the national spotlight but when junkyard dog was was working for uh, bill watts i believe in mid-south like he was the guy like they built the entire territory around junkyard dog and it's always interesting to me to hear those sort of stories about these guys who if you're just a fan of whether it be the WWF or the you know new generation slash attitude era and beyond and whatnot and if you don't necessarily know and I'm I'm, I'm gonna be honest I have gone back and watched a lot of things I tend to read a lot more or listen to things like that to know a little bit more about the history I've talked to both of you about the fact that like when it comes to things that I'm interested in I, I really like the history behind a lot of that stuff which is why I listen to those podcasts but it's interesting to hear some of these these guys that When you look at them, when they got on the, you know, quote unquote national stage, the big time, it's not that they weren't good or anything like that, but obviously, no, you know, there were very few people who got to sort of that Hogan status. You know what I mean? Roddy Piper was treated like a very big deal. Macho Man Randy Savage treated like a very big deal. But a lot of guys who, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, even like a junkyard dog who had a whole territory built around him. He never quite got to that point nationally, even though he got the bigger stage and probably got more money and whatnot. But it's interesting that somebody that you look back on and you're like, you like you ask somebody today or you know, 10, 15 years ago, and be like, Did you know yeah. junkyard dog was like the biggest deal of his time? People be like, Junkyard Dog? Really? But yeah, he really was. And I feel that, I mean, I don't know, again, I don't know as much as like Kevin was just saying with Kamala, but it sounds very similar where, you know, uh, whether he was a a journeyman wrestler or what have you, but he went out and he did his thing and, and he, you know, like Kevin just said, he kind of built up this character over, over time and whatnot. And he, you know, was doing it for all those years and he, he definitely made it work.
0: Yeah
2: and
1: made it work well.
2: And I think Rikishi may have stolen the stink face from him after watching this match. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think so. Um,
1: it was against uh, the Brooklyn brawler, which is a name that I'm sure fans of multiple generations know. Uh,
0: yeah. Arguably the
1: premier enhancement talent, <laughs> the
0: premier guy that, that you want to have beaten it's, up. It's Barry Harwich
1: one,
2: Brooklyn brawler two for me always
1: okay mm.
0: okay Very yes yes yeah. i can see that i can see that yeah. yeah
2: but uh a f- fun fact about another masked man and i really don't know why they didn't do it this way but once uh kamala kind of uh, completed this baby face turn you know he always had kim she and, and harvey Whippleman with him the guy under the mask with kim she and i don't know if it was 100 percent of the time but more often than not was the brooklyn brawler steve lombardi uh so to have him really yeah, just to have Kamala in this match against the Brooklyn Brawler, uh, it kind of boggles the mind. <laughs> we never saw Kimchi again, so we could have had two loser leaves WWF matches in the same show, where you know
0: <laughs> he was kimchi wrestling Kimchi this revenge. whole time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Kim she tries to come in for revenge and, and Kamala just beats him and off he goes. And then you can bring back the brawler. But I, I thought it was very strange to, to see Kamala versus the brawler and just Kim, no mention of Kim she whatsoever.
1: Well, with regards to the Brooklyn Brawler being under a mask, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was after this or like he, Brooklyn Brawler had a feud with Doink at one point. And then later on, when uh, Matt Bourne left... And other people started donning the costume of Doink. I believe Brooklyn Brawler was one of the people to also be Doink the clown, even though, of course, they had had a feud either earlier or later than that.
2: Yeah, he was Doink. He, uh, he also played uh, the, the guy, he played another baseball themed character, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, <laughs> uh, who also, I believe, was originally called MVP before there was Monta- before Montel Montel Porter. quarter. Oh, he was uh, an mvp wow <laughs> yeah so he he had multiple uh identities but always seemed to come back to the brawler for whatever reason
1: in his what is, was it bartlett said like oh glad he dressed up for the event because of course he's in his jeans and whatnot <laughs> which i thought was i'm not gonna lie i actually for once i, I and i will give them i will give that them the was, praise i actually like that line by Bartlett.
0: that was actually funny that probably was actually the only funny.
1: time you'll ever hear me give him praise but that was it right there
2: <laughs> yeah Yeah, I'll give him a little credit. He was much better on this show than he was in the previous two. I'll say that much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Heenan gave him some pointers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Rush Limbaugh reference aside, he he was.
0: Oh uh, dear God!
2: Oh. (laughs) Really? I was like, really? Uh, It It was. It was. Semi timely then, at least.
0: But Okay, so so this is problematic now, but Bobby Heenan doing his, you know, doing that bit that he does whenever they come back from commercial, and he's like trying to hit on the ring girls.
2: So I was actually going to bring it up. Uh, <laughs> you guys have gone through two episodes and not mentioned these ring card girls once. Uh,
0: no. no. They're very awkward. I don't believe that we have. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really the, odd the whole and thing weird.
2: Very awkward. And uh, you know let me tread carefully here but they're in yeah. New York City they're, yeah. they're in you know the biggest busiest city one of in the world more or less and uh, they're the home of many 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 beautiful women and uh, he, he you couldn't find him in the Manhattan Center let me just put it that way <laughs> yeah you guys ain't touching that one it's fine <laughs> I'm laughing though. Um well, I mean, I just I,
0: I I just thought it was hilarious that that Heenan was like the first guy to to actually run with a little gag here. And then and as soon as like, you know, as soon as he realizes the camera's on, he's like, Are we on? <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> I was like, That's my just God. part of the brain. Heenan's
0: great. a legend.
2: Absolutely.
0: An absolute legend. But uh yeah, it's very it's it's hey let me ask
2: you did you got you guys watch this on uh peacock yeah yes yeah okay so uh do you guys have the the peacock super deluxe premium with no commercials
0: no yeah but only because uh i I have a deal where i got like a year of limited commercials so it's only five dollars a month for the
2: the extra no commercials yeah Okay, I have the free version with the commercials, and mm-hmm. let me just tell you how jarring it is because they use the original commercial break time, right? Uh, when they insert the commercials, but it's they're all modern commercials. So I'm I'm in the middle. I'm I am Entrenched, fully entrenched in 1993, and then all of a sudden I'm watching commercial for The Bachelor.
0: That's the and... thing that that that's such a problem with streaming. If you ask me, I would be much happier with ads, like with the ad version if you could just play like like era-appropriate ads.
2: Yeah, I had the same exact thought, man. I'm watching the commercial for, for Tide laundry detergent. I'm like, I have no problem watching a commercial for Tide, but give me a commercial for Tide from 1993.
0: I'm just like, stop trying to sell us Tide Pods. People on TikTok <laughs> are just going to eat them.
1: <laughs> yes. Stick with the liquid. Well, see, it's funny. and i've I've had this conversation with a few friends. and one of the one of the things is knowing the three of us, and we kind of grew up in the era of commercials. and if you wanted, like there wasn't there wasn't always DVR. and, you know, there wasn't always streaming. And to record stuff wasn't always the easiest, you know? like yeah. I, I know I've heard, and i'm I'm sure that we did it at at my house uh, as the years went on. But um, you know, during the Monday Night Wars, which were of course a few years after this, you know, you just switched back and forth. Obviously some people would watch one, record the other, and watch it the next morning or what have you, but that wasn't always the easiest to do either. And then I talk with some people, uh, and Kiona, I know you I'm sorry, Neil, I know you go through this uh sometimes when we do like the the Buffyverse and Converse show where we have some some younger folks on there and mm-hmm. they just cannot they just cannot get behind the concept of watching something week to week or oh my gosh yep what are these you know there's commercials in this um i uh we were born in the late 1900s paul yeah oh yeah i've heard that one a million times how do you like <laughs> that one kev i'm sure you've heard that phrase before but that's been uh, thrown around at us lately born in the late 1900s I'm not
2: even sure I qualify as late.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, friends. This is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties as well as festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, justplaincrazyfaceart.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18-plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world, so even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area.
2: Um. Uh, To to your point, Paul, uh, as I said, I was huge fanboy at this time. Uh, I actually recorded, I I saved and recorded every episode. I'm going to say for the first two plus years of Monday Night Raw, I had six episodes per VHS. Mm -hmm. And, I recorded every single one uh made designed my own labels you know with stickers yeah. to put on the VHS and uh, eventually oh, yeah, on the face huh
0: you had to do that because you had to oh. keep it all you know organized and
2: whatnot oh yeah for sure and and yeah. they, they were like my prized possession you uh, keep using everything time. in a
1: past tense i have the feeling the story is going to go downhill very quickly
2: uh well yeah i i I wish i still had and don't get me wrong i still have a shit ton of wrestling vhs that i recorded myself and and i really want to go through one day because i do still have a vcr um but it'd be hours and hours and
1: hours i think it's Um, you and me are the only two left in the united states
2: (laughs) (laughs) i have other i have that vcr for other reasons too there's other things on vhs i like to watch but anyway um (laughs) I got you. (laughs) I recorded at least the first two years without missing an episode of Raw every single Monday night, uh, minus the Westminster Dog Show, and um, (laughs) eventually ended up selling them to a classmate of mine uh, who would uh, would always ask, like he asked all the time, like like, and I it never even occurred to me as you know eleven twelve years old that I could just make make a copy. You know, because then you need two VCRs, and you need to know how to hook up the cables. I wasn't that technologically advanced in the mid 90s. Sorry. Uh, And eventually I did end up like I think he used his birthday money to buy uh, multiple VHS tapes filled with all the episodes of Monday Night Raw. I hope he still has them. Uh, That (laughs) would be great.
1: Well, what I I think it would be fun, especially because you and I, we've talked about this before, we don't live far from each other. Maybe uh, one of these times in the future, I'm not saying like next week or anything, but maybe one of these times as like a content club exclusive, we can do like a watch along of something, just something random. It doesn't have to be a Monday Night Raw or anything, but you said you have a bunch of stuff, but maybe do like a watch along and then like we could react to whatever, you know, the original commercials and all that sort of stuff that's in there.
2: Yeah, I valued that stuff a lot more, uh, you know, pre-WWF, WWE Network. Um, of
1: course, of course.
2: Uh, and now it's almost, I'd say almost everything I have uh, is, is probably on the network somewhere. Um, but I'm sure I could dig and find something, something just rare.
1: A few years ago, I... Uh, I threw myself a 90s were Paul that themed birthday party. I know you both are very surprised at that. Um, But I threw myself a 90s were Paul that themed birthday party. (laughs) And in I had about three TVs and they were my actual TVs. They weren't flat screens. They still had the big old backs on them. And I hooked up uh, a DVD player, a VHS player and my old uh, Nintendo entertainment system to all three of them, you know, each one on each around the room and uh on the dvds i believe i had a i would switch uh, out between uh probably buffy and friends if i had to if i had to guess uh, and remember what i had at that point only on dvd on the vhs side it was me on birthdays or christmases or you know childhood uh, like a kindergarten graduation and i'm sure and i know for a fact there was something wwf in there i think one of the ones that i have on which i want to say it's maybe this year this year that we're covering 1993 the um oh what did they call it, it was like a diaper match razor ramon versus the one two three kid um, Oh god and i'm sure you you both remember exactly what i'm talking about that was from an in
2: your house in in 1996 i want to say
1: Oh, all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm almost certain I have that somewhere on, uh, <laughs> on VHS and it, uh, several members of my family, you know, uh, uncles, things like that also watched wrestling. And I was walking around being, you know, the host of the party. So I had to, you know, kind of spend a little bit of time here and there whatever. And they called me over at one point. They're like, what year is this? And I'm like, well, that person's still there. And like, so it was something like, you know, like razor remote. I'm like, so it's pre 1990." Like, you know, pre-May of 96, it has to be, because Razor Ramon is still there. He hadn't jumped over yet and whatever. And they were like, okay, I remember watching this, but like, it's so awesome that you have it just like on a recorded VHS. And I was like, yeah, totally.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, I had all that because, uh, you know, my dad had the the, the illegal cable box uh, that got, got all the pay-per-views. So that, that was the thing is we, me and, you know, whatever friends, a couple buddies would get together together. Sunday nights, Sunday afternoon sometimes and uh, watch the pay-per-view and I'd record it and then I'd have it, you know, because otherwise, you know, you were going to, to the video store.
0: You mean you didn't want to pay all that money for the Coliseum home video exclusive?
2: <laughs> but by the way, they do, a, they do a promo on the Royal Rumble report and yep. say that the VHS will be available, like, I don't know, it was February 11th or something like that. Like, that's a pretty quick turnaround. That was yeah Yeah, i was thinking that it's like a two three week turnaround to have the vhs on shelves for an event that you just showed live like that was
1: pretty good yeah that was that was quick well so bringing us back into the discussion with regards to the royal rumble report that me and gene does and i commented on this uh maybe (laughs) episode two or or episode one uh where vince mcmahon says the WWF network instead of saying the USA network. And I believe mean gene also refers to it as the world wrestling federation network here.
0: Yeah. The television network. Yeah.
1: Yes. And now other, and I made a note that other times in this, they do say USA, you know, TV and whatnot, but I thought it was interesting that, and, and I believe we talked about this, but just the concept that even back then, it seems Vince was kind of pushing this idea of a network. And obviously we just talked about, you know, the network and, as of this recording, everything is on Peacock still and whatnot, but it's it's always interesting. I, say what you will, and we could say a lot. It, in certain ways, not saying all the ways, but in certain ways, Vince McMahon has been a genius in building that brand and looking mm-hmm. forward to what the future entails for that intellectual property of... The WWF, WWE. Yeah.
2: I mean, we could sit here and say a ton of bad things about Vince, but yeah, we the could. fact Like he okay. built, like, we're not sitting here talking about this right now if, it, if it's not for him. He built it uh, for the, the better part of my childhood and, and a lot of my adulthood, <laughs> to be honest, like, has, has been spent watching his creation uh, for better or worse.
0: Okay, Absolutely. now something something that I did want to mention is that did it seem like they were having like a lot of audio problems during this episode?
1: Well, are you referring to the we're getting some interference during the main event thing? And yeah, they I mean used like he mentioned that sci-fi channel. He mentioned that, but before, like I, I thought I
0: heard like some audio issues like that were happening during the first match. Maybe with the just a bit of like echo or something. It was just weird to me. I don't know.
2: I don't know like nothing sure. that I n- noticed overly, but the fact mm. that a it was a live show and uh, it was 1993, uh, yeah, sure you could expect some problems because I, I, you know I'll yeah. take it back to Philly this past Monday that they, they started the show with Hulk Hogan who couldn't get a working microphone. Uh, So here we are 30 (laughs) years later and there's still technical difficulties. Still
0: audio issues. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've had audio issues with my podcast,
1: though. Renegade podcast. Renegade pop culture
0: podcast, that is.
1: (laughs) Renegade pop culture, available at renegadepopculture.com. Go check them out. Need a break? So do we. Oh, fuck. it's actually an escape but that's escape okay. damn it damn it i'll get it one day i'll get it one day
0: <laughs> you're good you're good don't worry don't worry um <laughs> but anyway should we talk about this uh this
1: this loser leaves town match like i said this is what i have the most notes on so yeah. i'm i'm ready to get into it whenever you two are
0: all right i'm all set let's
1: do it <laughs> So, I'm not gonna lie. So most of my notes have to do with kind of not in ring stuff. So if we want to talk about the match first and then t- like if you guys have anything you want to say about the match, um, I thought it was an incredible match. Um, Kevin kind of touched too. on it at the beginning of the episode of, of this discussion where this is something that in theory could have been and at had it been probably a year earlier would have been pay-per-view quality and we've we uh, uh neoplasmic and i have kind of talked about this um in the past and i know uh on you know other wrestling discussions that we've all had i'm sure uh how you know back in the day it used to be you know just squash matches and whatnot on tv maybe a promo here or there or the big um you know saturday night's main event special or what have you but if you wanted to see the good stuff if you wanted to see, you know, Hulk Hogan face somebody it was either you pay for it on pay-per-view, you know, four or five times a year or you go out and see them when they come to your town. Whereas mm-hmm. this I and I believe Kevin kind of said it earlier, this is kind of our shift and and it it very much shifted what you started to see on TV. It would get pushed further of course in a few years during the monday night wars and whatnot but um this kind of starts that shift to you get i don't want to say pay-per-view quality matches although this obviously was but you get better quality matches on you know live tv every every monday or what have you and then they still had of course their other shows we saw commercial for mania you know there's still i believe superstars at this time you know what i mean things like that but Um, yeah, you, you start to see that, that kind of shift. And I feel that this right here is that, um, one of the only things in terms of the match other than Heenan's commentary and and whatnot, of course, um, fantastic match seeing, um, Mr. Perfect bleed and the, the, you know, the blood on his hair was very flair esque, which I thought was a really good, uh, uh, thing there. And there was one spot where he went he being Mr. Perfect, went over the turnbuckle the onto the ring post and went out like right after the, I believe it was the second commercial break. It did not look like he was supposed to go that far. Are you oh. saying it
2: wasn't perfect?
1: I, I would not say that. I would not disparage the good goddamn name of Kurt Hennig. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: let me just say... we get into it but mr perfect had one of the best baby face turns because he was a heel for years and years
0: yes yes i remember Uh, and
2: he had one of the best baby face turns one of the this is one of the the best moments from early raw and mr perfect was also involved in probably my favorite moment from primetime wrestling too when and it all it all stemmed from the warrior was uh you know pulling warrior stuff and ended up bailing out of the match he was supposed to have tag in with macho man and he needed a partner, and he ended up, you know, coaxing Mr. Perfect into being his partner by knowing that Bobby Heenan would get himself in trouble with his mouth. And they teamed up against Flair and, and Razor Ramon a few months prior at Survivor Series. Uh, really, uh, and and we you, you got to thank Warrior for that, because, if, you know, the match went on as planned. We didn't, never got this.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Thank the Ultimate Warrior, though.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Only if you talk to little, like you know, ten-year-old me or whatever it was back then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even a huge Warrior fan back then. I was, I was a Hogan guy.
0: Now I just, now I just look at him and I'm just like, man, he's just coked out Warrior. That's basically what he is.
2: <laughs> I do enjoy watching some of those old probos. I've actually said them too.
0: They are hilarious.
1: <laughs> it's all about destrucity, guys. It's all about the destrucity. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I said, it's it was it was a fantastic match. Uh as Kevin it said really earlier, very it. much a, a arguably a pay-per-view quality match that they gave away on on tv and mm-hmm. like i said it 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 starts to show that shift here and you know yeah. I, I had said i had asked kevin earlier you know kind of why why this one and you know hearing you sort of describe your reasons and after having seen it and whatnot i definitely can and especially watching the first two like we did i can definitely see why this one sticks out in your mind as it it was a it was a shift. It was a change, sort of happening. Yeah, this,
2: here. this put Raw on the map. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't Undertaker versus Damian Demento. Like people remember that for not great reasons, just because it was the first main event, right? That's but your first was, main event. Yeah, exactly. This is the match that put Raw on the map. I can't remember. I watched primetime wrestling damn near every week for years prior to this episode of raw to raw getting getting on the air. And I can't remember a single match on primetime wrestling being as big as this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think too, it's just, it's a great, like it's even a great match to watch because it's so these, two competitors are just so technically sound. Like, Flair is great. We know how great Flair is. And Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect, is just like, he's holding his own. He's doing a lot of really interesting things, and he's doing a lot of holds, and he's getting, like, he's getting Flair... Like, he's gaining the upper hand on Ric Flair, which is, you know, Flair using all of his heel tactics, all of his tricks, you know, including the foreign object in the, in the knee pad, you know, and just... <laughs> get the well, brass knucks and just go knock the guy out and everything it's just amazing.
1: And it's funny like it while I was watching see. it, it was I really was really good to see. I was thinking okay maybe not I don't want to say now 30 years later in 2023 only because a lot of wrestling fans I'm not saying all but a lot of wrestling fans like and I'm not I'm not it's not my favorite I'll be honest but a lot of them like the um uh like sort of the the Young Bucks style of move to move to move to move to move sort of thing as opposed to yeah. a little bit more yeah. methodical. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I will say it's not my favorite thing, and I'm not saying that that's all the I... Young Bucks do because I have grown to appreciate them a little more than had you asked me when – Maybe uh, I started the wrestling renegades show a few years ago. I wasn't so big on the young bucks. I definitely have grown to appreciate them a little more. And again, I'm not just saying them and and what have you, but everyone is James recurring guest on Paul and all just taking the time out here to let you know about a special bonus episode of Paul and all available right now on Content Club In it Paul and I discuss a failed pilot. How I met your dad. We were prepared for how I met your father. Yes, there are two different shows. This episode will never be released in the main feed. So go check it out right now at Content Club, only at patreon.com
0: forward slash clock
1: Thank you. It's a big criticism in the wrestling community. I believe, uh, you know, people like Cornette go after it all the time and whatnot, where, you know, nobody takes the time to sell anything anymore and what have you. But say we go That's back, right. I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, and you show a wrestling fan from that time. This match, like you could easily take this match, this flair versus perfect match, put and show it to a wrestling fan, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I don't think they would bat an eye at it
0: mm-hmm. in terms because of like telling the match- a story,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: it's a story, it's not hard to pick up on. Like, it, it helps if you have all the backstory. Like, there's months and mo- actually probably years of, of build up to this moment. Um, but it's not required. Like you just know, you know, these two guys don't like each other. They're going to, you know, and the winner's going to stay. The losers are going to leave. You know, that's all you need to know.
1: And I think, and, um, yeah. I think Heenan and Vince did a really good job with filling in some of those gaps. Like they may not have, te- you know, whether they, I, I honestly can't remember at this very moment, whether they did or didn't, like they may, may, may not have necessarily mentioned, the Survivor Series match that you were just talking about. I know a, a week or two ago, I had said about the um the uh you know when Flair came in as the the real world's champion and whatnot with you know with with Bobby Heenan bringing him in and whatnot and that kind of leading to to stuff and um you know. You don't necessarily need to know all of that build up the the entire Bobby Heenan aspect of it and whatnot. They fill in a few of those gaps, maybe not to that extent, but I feel that vince and, and Heenan did a very good job on commentary of filling us in with what we needed to know to enhance the match,
2: yeah. Heenan doing flare matches in that era was was always great, <laughs> yeah it is just oh complete yeah, complete stressed out, exasperated, you know. yeah. Yeah, the, the, just watch the 1992 Royal Rumble, you know. If you've never you never seen that, if you're somehow listening to this show but never seen that, just go
0: watch it. <laughs> I love um, the uh the ending of it as well when he when Bobby Heenan just loses his mind and just starts like and they just bleep out like a string of <laughs> expletives. <laughs> yeah, bleep sound was just continuous.
2: So, oh, uh man that was great. And, and let me say another thing that maybe made this so memorable to me um, I was really surprised by the finish because you know like you said, Paul, like I'm still uh two or three years away from my first semblance of any kind of dirt sheet or internet wrestling information whatsoever, so, I don't think Rick Flair's going anywhere, right like that's that's the man like he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. if anything, I thought. Okay, they had to pull Mr. Perfect out of semi retirement for the Survivor Series. You know, he came in, bailed him out when the Warrior, you know, did his go away thing that he does. And okay, you know, he, he did that. And now he's going to leave again because, you know, his back's hurt or whatever it was. Uh, I knew that much. And it really surprised me when, you know, Perfect Blex one, two, three, and Ric Flair's going to be gone again.
1: Well, so I want to ask you both, um, considering the age that you both were back then, and like you just said, Kevin, like there's not really a whole lot of, you know, dirt sheet sort of stuff readily available, especially to, you know, um, like you said, your, you know, your, your dad hooked you up with the, uh, the, the pay-per-view box and whatnot, but, um, and, and so it goes for for you there but kiona i definitely want to ask you this as well being in in hawaii at the time and we've Mm -hmm. talked about it before you didn't necessarily have a whole lot of access and stuff did you did either of you two i'm not saying religiously watch but did either one of you two ever watch a whole lot of anything you know nwa wcw related like i'm sure you knew Like, oh, that's where flair sort of came from. And sometimes people would go to one or the other or what have you. But were you either one of you like watching either regularly or semi regularly watching like Saturday night's main event or, you know, whatever, whatever other stuff they had going on at the time?
0: I know that for me, my grandfather was the one who was watching and also my, my granduncle back then. They were the ones that were watching. So I would just, you know, if I if I happened to be around them or in the room or something, then I would just watch whatever they were watching. It was usually, usually like, well, it could be either one. They didn't really have an allegiance to like WCW or WWF. So yeah, it would just be either one, really. But the first match that I ever saw was... Um, I don't, I don't know if it was a squash or what have you, but it, I know it was the Freebirds, and, uh, and I know it was like a a WCW show if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. But that was prior to all of, you know, raw and everything. So, right. Right. Yeah. But I don't remember seeing this episode. I don't remember this one. I'm pretty sure I would have because of the, the, the flare perfect match, but right.
2: For me, like I said, when it came to Raw, I didn't miss an episode. They were all recorded. Uh, my history with WCW is a little funky because the only thing I actually had access to, and it was kind of inconsistent, uh, they had WCW Worldwide would be a part of the, the Saturday morning wrestling. Uh, but I don't think it was always on at the same time. So it was like kind of like I had to catch it or, or make it make an effort to find it. Uh, Where whatever, whatever time slot it was in that week, um, so I'd see it inconsistently. And uh, but the way I kept up with it mostly was through uh, again going to the video store. You know they'd have um, not as many as WWF, but there were some WCW pay-per-views there, and I'd rent those. And that's how I got introduced to you know the the Flair and Lex Luger's and Vader's. Uh, of the world. And um, the other thing was through uh, PWI um, and, and the magazines, uh, Inside Wrestling and you know the after mags. Uh, I was big on those. Anytime I'd go to Wawa, you know, I'd go to my dad, hey dad, dad, mom, mom, can I get this one? Can I get this one? There was, a, they were always there at the time. It's kind of a thing of the past now, aside from like the PWI 500, but uh, that's where I got a lot of my outside of WWF wrestling knowledge.
1: Okay. No, I mean and I've I've talked about it before like my dad was very much uh you know the the wrestling guy. Um I I don't remember uh I I he so and Kevin, I'm sure you can you can relate to this. Um so we at least up here in this part of uh, Pennsylvania, we're close enough that um we got the signal. From New, I believe is New York, uh, the WPIX, which I believe is you know you guys would have got got it down there in, in you channel eleven. I believe so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I've actually had this discussion with with my dad before. It is arguably it wasn't branded this way, but it was arguably uh, a long probably not long after uh, TBS, but it was an early form of a superstation. Um, where they had a big enough signal and they had other things, uh, you know, in maybe not as as widespread as, uh, as Ted Turner had, but they definitely got a further signal than, you know, your local channel or whatever without having to do a, a cable sort of thing. So, like, I know my dad was always saying that, like, growing up, he was always seeing, even though we were in what would have been wwf territory us being not that far from from new york city but he was he would see stuff from um the awa which is you know minnesota which ironically is where he lives now um but we would see you know he would see stuff from you know verne Gagne's territory the awa he would see stuff from down south jim crockett promotions um he would see stuff from uh uh wccw which was world class the von and the Freebirds. Um, in Texas and whatnot, and so because a lot of that stuff would air on uh PIX, so it wasn't uncommon for him and some other people in the area. Like, if you really wanted to see wrestling, because and kind of like, like, uh, like, uh, Neo said over there, like, we don't, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily have like especially when you're like a little little kid you don't necessarily have like allegiance to one more than the other because it's wrestling i want to watch wrestling i I, this is wrestling that's wrestling uh, what's the difference yeah for sure you know (laughs) and you know i
2: I had uh that the the time you're talking about was probably just a little before my time because i remember channel 11 Uh, I watched it a lot. but The the main thing I remember watching was Yankees games and uh, the Richard Bay show. Uh, I don't expect anybody to know what that is, but it was kind of like. Jerry Springer before Jerry Springer. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. Based out of of Secaucus, New Jersey. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, I should have prefaced my comments by saying, um, even though we had the cable box, TBS was not available in this area where I live until I want to say 1995, maybe, maybe even 1996. So that was oh, a big really? part of, yeah, that was oh, a big wow. part of why I didn't get to see as much uh, NWA, WCW. Um, hmm. when, once it became available, then uh, obviously I, I got to see it uh, on WCW Saturday night. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember we, we took a family vacation to, a, to Disney World in 1992 <laughs> And the, the house that we stayed in, it was like an early version of an Airbnb, uh, had TBS on the, on the TV. And I remember WCW Saturday Night was on, and I was like, I don't want to leave. I want to watch this. I think it was like Vader versus Cactus Jack at the time. And uh, my dad's like, we, we're on vacation. We're not sitting here in the house watching wrestling. like We were going to dinner. Let's
1: go. I was like, right. "Very bad. <laughs> but you're like, "I don't care about dinner. This is wrestling." Yeah, I, I really didn't. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, so with regards to this, uh, the the whole one of the reasons that I that I kind of asked that question was because, as we know, um, Flair, he, as I said, he he came from you know NWA, WCW, um, and he was going back there. And I found a few different um, quotes and things. And one of the things that I've always heard over the years was that um, Vince kind of went to Flair and said that he was going younger. You know, Bret Hart was the champion. Obviously, Shawn Michaels was being built up, and we know – you know what happened with those two? Obviously, Razor Ramon was there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I want to say within the the year or two of this, there you know we would see the debut of the One Two Three Kid, and you know what I mean, all that sort of stuff. We we see that it's going younger than Flair, and for what it's worth, uh, I don't remember how old Flair was at this point. But one of the the recurring jokes on the the Conrad Thompson podcast is, you know, a lot of times we we think of, of Flair or Hogan or what have you as being the old men in the nineties and when really they were like 40 something AJ Styles is like 46 47 right now you know what I mean and he's still considered one of the best in the world so
2: it's Finn Balor and LA Knight are both 40 plus right right exactly
1: in in 2023 so it's all just a matter of perspective um but because Vince uh and and Rick Flair had a lot of mutual respect for each other um Vince will I'm sorry Flair was one of the few people I think Flair and pretty much Harley Race were two of the only and, and Kevin uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I feel like you might know a little bit more of this history than I would but I feel like they were two of the only um NWA like touring champions who would come through the the New York territory, whether it be Vince or his father and be able to wrestle at like a Madison square garden show. Um, Um, I don't think a whole lot of NWA champions, uh, except for the few times when the WWWF was part of the NWA. I don't feel a whole lot of NWA champions really came through because they were kind of trying to brand themselves as we are the territory, as opposed to being just a part of just another NWA kind Mm -hmm, of thing
2: mm -hmm. i mean none of them that ever came over flair was one of the last ones to do it uh from that time period and also the most successful because the guys who came before him who were nwa champion just off the top of my head like you said harley race uh ronnie garvin came through and was you know more or less a job of the stars uh of course dusty came over and we know what happened with him you know they stuck him in polka dots
1: well I meant I meant more as the NWA champion I believe like when they were like when they were the the champion they I believe and again I could be wrong but I believe Harley race
2: semi-territory days
1: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: um yeah Vince always wanted to
1: have his own thing I don't think that was a Hey, everyone. Earlier in the episode, you heard about the monthly content club series Two of Us, a Beatles podcast featuring myself and my father. Well, what you may not know is that uh, before we ever launched it as an official series, we did a sort of test episode and... Excuse me, I put that episode out actually on Content Club uh, months prior, but now that episode is available uh, in the Pollenol feed, so you can go check that out. We break down the Beatles song, Paperback Writer. Uh, It's... Not an unknown song, but it's not necessarily one of their more uh, popular songs, you know, like uh, Let It Be or Strawberry Fields Forever or, you know, something like that. So um, it was a really fun discussion. You could definitely hear uh, how my dad and I kind of were trying to find our footing. We got into some sort of side conversations about other bands of that era and even, you know, some more... Uh, modern music in comparison things like that Um, but we we had a lot of fun recording it and it was definitely a great way to sort of Try and figure out sort of what the dynamic might be. And if you like it, of course, you could go check out the monthly episodes uh, released on Content Club. So go check it out right now. It's a special episode available in the Paul and All feed, uh, Two of Us, where myself and my dad, Scott, cover paperback writer. Just one of the many entries into the long and winding road of the Beatles story. But like I said, I think I, I, I know that um, and it, Flair, even for the last few years and whatnot, has talked about the fact, you know, the the huge respect that he has always had for Vince and Vince has always had for him. And that's sort of always been a thing. And one of the other reports that I saw was that um, somebody asked, I believe it was Mike Johnson of PW Insider um, a, just a few years ago. Uh, th- so I'll read it verbatim. I, I kind of copied and pasted it. Um, And it was, why was Ric Flair's first run in the WWF at the time so short? I've heard once that it was because if he wasn't going to always be booked as a main eventer, then he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to stay. Is that true? Is there another reason? I believe if Ric had stayed, he would have had great matches with those at the time. Uh, who were coming up in the business like Shawn Michaels, Diesel, One, Two, Three Kid, or Razor Ramon? Can you fill me in? And the answer was, Ric Flair and Vince McMahon had a verbal agreement that if Flair wasn't going to be used in a main event position, and he had an offer to go elsewhere, he would be released from his contract. McMahon respect uh, respected Flair and his legacy enough to give him that promise. In early 1993, Flair was going to be moved down towards a mid card position. Following runs with Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan, and received an offer to return to WCW from Bill Watts. Flair asked for the release, and McMahon stayed true to his word, giving Flair an unconditional release after he worked a few weeks of TV and house shows, putting over Kurt Hennig and Randy Savage. We did kind of hear that at the very end of this that, you know, uh, WWF president Jack Tunney said that, you know, Flair would have to fulfill his commitments to the house shows because I feel like they had to say that or else they Mm would have got some angry things of, we bought tickets to go see Flair. So that was definitely there to placate that. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact
2: that he even said that, like, let you know, like they they still viewed him as a draw. Like, you know, they knew that some people bought those tickets because they wanted to see Ric Flair, right? So.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. They
2: let you know, like, you know, they're still on pretty good terms.
1: Um, On the Ultimate Ric Flair Collection DVD, which was released in 2003, Flair described his first stint with the WWF as, and I'm going to quote here, the greatest year and a half of my career outside the time I spent with Arn Anderson and the Four Horsemen, unquote. <laughs> wow. So in 2003, now obviously we're, how many, you know, we're X number of years removed from 2003, but at that point, you got to remember he had the entire you know, touring championship thing. He had, of course, you know, he talks about the, the, the four horsemen thing. He had this run with the WWF. He went back for, you know, during the, the height of the Monday night wars. And then he came back over in 2001, had the, the feud with Vince and then the feud with the undertaker and all that. And he still says that other than being with Arn and the horsemen, this was his top uh thing in his career. And then the the inter the, one of the really interesting things that I thought was the fact that um, we know he was given the offer by Bill Watts. However, Bill Watts was released from being in charge of WCW before um, Ric Flair got there, because Ric Flair. So I, I took taking uh, lines from Wikipedia. Flair triumphantly returned to WCW as a hero in February of 1993. As a result of a no-compete clause, he was initially unable to wrestle, so he hosted a short-lived talk show in WCW called A Flair for the Gold. Arn Anderson usually appeared at the bar on the show's set, and Flair's maid Fifi, who later became his, I believe, fifth wife, um, cleaned and bore gifts. Once he returned to action, Flair briefly held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, for a tenth time after defeating Barry Windham at Beach Blast, which was in July 1993, before WCW finally left the NWA in September of 1993. So it took from some time between February and July that his like not, which because we, uh, it's normally about 90 days or so. Actually, Kevin and I were just talking about this um when we went to the Raw anniversary show. It's usually about a 90 day sort of thing. So that falls right around that time period. But
2: that was a weird period for WCW too. I remember like that they basically had two titles. They had the big gold belt once Flair came back. And uh but they also had the WCW world title that you know you, you think about, you know, uh the, that Ron Simmons won, uh Vader and Sting, you think about them holding that title back then.
1: Yes. And that's and they I believe they eventually had to do like a like a merger or something, right? I
2: think one just yeah I'm not sure if there was ever actually even a a, a unification match or not. I think one just might have went away <laughs> when the you know the NWA deal kind of just
1: died. Um, but one of the other interesting things, as I said, Bill Watts um was taken out of power, and there's a whole thing behind that. Allegedly, he made some what people perceive to be some racist comments. Of course, a lot of people also look and say, how you know, I'm not saying that I. I agree with this or what have you you know as we've we've talked about already on this particular episode a lot of things then are you know problematic now and and you know all that sort of stuff but basically the the theory was i mean if he got in trouble for it then I can well imagine. A, 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 from, from what i understand uh, i i don't remember the entire story but from what i understand there was someone like a a, a restaurant owner or someone had said that he was um upset that he had to serve Black people, and so he just decided to close down his restaurant, and I believe Bill Watts made a comment of like, you know, good, I'm glad he stood up for what he believed in or whatever, and everyone was like, oh, that's super racist comments by Bill Watts, but then there are other people who are like, Bill Watts is not racist, as I said earlier, he had the junkyard dog as the top person in his territory for how many years, it's one of those, the only color that anybody in the entertainment industry cares about is green, not anything else but again i believe
2: that uh he was also in charge when ron simmons became the first uh, black world champion
1: right so but what had happened was i guess bill watts offered flair the 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 contract the money all that sort of stuff by the time flair actually came back however ole anderson was back in charge of booking as any as most people may know Um, flair and ole anderson or really anyone and ole anderson don't get along um (laughs) anderson tends to have that reputation um and the quote that flair actually said on his uh to be the man podcast within the last year or so i'm going to read it here quote by the time i get there watts has been fired ole's the booker ole looks at me i walk in the office and he goes and i'm going to say some Colorful language here, so here's your uh, warning. I think we have the little expletive thing show up on all the podcast apps, but here's your warning, folks. What the fuck are you worth to me after doing a job on national television last night? I said, motherfucker, I'm worth more than any 10 guys you got here on the roster. Have you looked at the houses here lately? Unquote. With regards to the low number that WCW was drawing at the time.
0: You ain't wrong. <laughs> no,
1: no, of course not. Of course not. But I just again, I think it's interesting that with all of that, with the respect thing, like I like I had mentioned earlier between uh, Vince and and Rick, and there's a story that I believe it was in 1998. Flair was kind of on the outs with WCW and Eric Bischoff, and he uh, I, the, the story has been told numerous times that he was actually circling the building at oh I want to say Judgment Day '98, but I could be wrong on that. And it was supposed to be himself and his son Reed were supposed to show up, uh, in the front row of the pay per view and whatnot. Um, and you know the fact that he was given a a pretty good spot when he came back originally. He was in t- in two thousand one. Flair was basically told you won't have to wrestle again because he didn't have, uh, part of he didn't have a lot of confidence in himself as being what he used to be and whatnot. And there's again, there's kind of always been a respect thing there. so Vince, you know stayed true to his word and you know, I, I, I'm going younger. you know, I, I don't necessarily see you as a, as a as a main event guy here anymore, but if you have the offer, go elsewhere and whatnot. and he he stayed true to that word. But then on the other side of that, Flair was given this offer. and then by the time he got there, the guy who gave him the offer was out, and somebody that he had a lot of real life heat with was in. And then they kind of had a cursing match at each other because flair as we saw quote-unquote did the job here for mr perfect so i think all of it it just it's all one of those timing things and and you know how like sort of the backstage in my opinion sometimes is better than the real life or i'm sorry the backstage is better than the on screen with uh, with regards to wrestling and whatnot but that was one of the interesting sort of footnotes that i that i thought uh for this match and this episode in particular
2: And about a year later, it really went downhill for Flair when Hogan showed up.
1: Uh, Yes, I'm yes and no. I might actually argue that because Flair is one of the main reasons that Hogan signed because Hogan didn't. From my understanding, Hogan didn't really trust anybody in WCW, but he trusted Flair and then they got to do. The what should have been arguably the WrestleMania main event of uh, want to say WrestleMania 8, you know, they got to do the uh, Flair versus Hogan for the world championship sort of thing. And yeah, I know glorified
2: squash match at Bash the Beach, yeah. <laughs> instead of being a WrestleMania main event.
1: I'm, I'm that I won't disagree with, and it became a recent thing, um, over the last few uh, last I'd say month or two on Flair's show and among uh, amongst some of the other uh, the podcast things where. You know, people have said, and and I, there's a case to be made that despite Ric Flair, I I feel like most everyone would say that he is one of, if not the best, performers, workers of all time. Um, but unfortunately, and I and and I I love Ric Flair. I have pretty much nothing but nice things to say about his his work and his dedication to the business and all that. WCW, when it, when, you, when you look at numbers, WCW did not make money until Hulk Hogan came into the company. Ric Flair couldn't do it. Sting couldn't do it. Vader couldn't do it. And I'm not taking anything away from those talents, not taking anything away from their legacies, but when it came to national attention, merchandise, and pay-per-view buys... Hulk Hogan was that deciding factor for WCW. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Just a reminder that if you are enjoying these episodes, but don't necessarily want all of these interruptions and advertisement type breaks, you can get the episodes early and uninterrupted over at content club. Uh, that is is slash clock shelves. Uh, where you get, of course, early uninterrupted versions of MCU and Me, Paul and All, Lost with Friends. You get uh, some exclusive stuff. You get some uh, promotional material early before even the social medias get it. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, Throw some dough if you choose to do so. Very affordable tiers for the great content that you love. It is a great way to pass the time. And it's a great way to keep the mics and lights on. You know, and that's and that's really unfortunate because even Hogan will say, Flair, and I've heard him say, Flair's the greatest, like, in-ring, you know, whatever you want to word it. But in terms of drawing money, it's a, you know, depending on what you want to use as your metric, for a while, at least, it was... Hulk Hogan, and Stone Cold Steve Austin.
2: So you want to talk about numbers? We'll bring it back around real quick. Uh, this episode of Raw did a 2.6 rating. Uh, the very next week with the main event of Typhoon versus Doink the Clown did a 3.0 rating. Try and make sense of that.
1: Well, that so that was my very last note was I was going to say, like so we, which is very rare. I don't think they ever do this now. Where they have the final match and then they come back just to show a shot of the crowd and let somebody do like a voiceover. <laughs> Cause that's pretty much what happened. Vince was like, you know, just, you know, be aware, like, Flair's gonna still show up and whatever. And next week, Doink the Clown versus Typhoon. And I was thinking to myself, is that match supposed to live up to what we just saw? <laughs> but yet you're telling me it did a higher rating. So I. Yeah. I...
2: Uh, I'm I'm assuming if I if I was to try and wrap my brain around that that, uh, people heard whoever didn't watch heard about you know Flair versus Perfect Loser Leaves WWF and like okay like I gotta this I gotta tune into Raw now this is the kind of stuff they're gonna be doing and then they tune in and they see Doink right and by the way the, the credit like I don't know that off the top of my head obviously nice little uh little Easter egg or little accompaniment. To this podcast, and this is for you guys too. Uh, we talked a little about the dirt sheets, and they did exist at the time. Uh, I don't; none of us had access to them. Somebody did, uh, but the observer quotes add observer quotes on Twitter. Paul, we've talked about this before. Um, it takes little sentences and snippets from uh, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer in in the nineties, and all you got to do is go to the account, just click the little search button. And uh, type, for example, 1 slash 93. So this this uh, episode took place in January 93. So type 1 slash 93. And you'll see a bunch of direct quotes from the observer uh, from this time period. And some of them match up with the, uh, and the, the, the account's been going for years. So there's a bunch of them. And some of those quotes match up with what we're actually watching and discussing. So that's where that little tidbit came from.
1: Okay. I've I've gone to that Twitter account. I've gone to some certain things on Reddit and whatnot to try to find to again do do things like I kind of just did like flesh out a little bit. But I might start using that as a little bit more of a of a steady resource. Um. But
2: and one more thing, I want to give a shout out to Earl Hebner. Probably had the most athletic move of the entire Flair versus Perfect Match uh, when when Flair grabbed the chair. Vince calls it a steel chair, but it's really just one of those like banquet chairs. And uh, Hebner comes flying off the ring apron, grabs the chair out of Flair's hands in midair, and falls down with it. Uh, It's.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna say when he. I thought you were gonna say when he kicked Flair's leg off the off the rope.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. This this was impressive. Like he he made an effort, like to to. Get that chair, get it out of Flair's hands, and he went down pretty hard afterwards. Got right back, right back up, and finished his job though. So shout out to Earl.
1: Um. So personally, I don't really have anything else to say. I I, I want to say, Kevin, I, I I love you. You know this. Almost any other time, for those who who may not know, almost any other time that that Kevin is on uh, a Clockshelves uh, Entertainment podcast. Um, especially anything TV related and whatnot. One of Kevin's big things, and I've I've started to incorporate it. Not trying to, you know, no no gimmick infringement intended, Kevin. But I I agree with your with your stance on it, which is giving credit to you know the writers and directors um, of particular episodes and things like that. Um, but I lo- I got to say I love that on this because they don't do credits in wrestling. You've brought the rating instead. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you know me.
2: I, I always do my research. I got to come up with a little something. Um, and I got to say, thank God that the pandas backed off because there was a time period for years when after they had to, to change the name to WWE, where they couldn't even utter the letters WWF. And they went through on all the archive footage and on all the DVDs that they released for like a decade. You'll hear them, you know, introducing the WW champion. And thank God they don't have to do that anymore because it would be torture watching this show back and just having them edit it out every time they said WWF. And even the logo, they'd have to blur the logo on the screen. That was the worst. Thank God they don't have to do that anymore.
1: Yes, I actually not that long ago I was looking into that um that lawsuit and they've definitely amended a lot of stuff over the years. And I feel like recently with something we covered here, I want to say there was a moment where they they like took out the letter, I mean, they they got the F out if you will, um when they said the WW something or other like Champion or Royal Rumble or something. And I remember people used to say online, like, it just seemed so arbitrary as to what they would do and what they would not do. And I think over the years, uh, they've definitely gone and they've said, like, certain, certain times, you know, like, they can't do anything new with it. And I think one of the, big, the biggest things is it's been so long since, because I, I want to say that was, like, 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. when that yeah. first went into effect so it's been 20 years since they obviously they're not putting out anything new with that logo and anything that they like re-release has the whatever version of the wwe logo so i think they've i think in that i think that's one of the reasons that they've that they've backed off i love that you say that the pandas backed off I love that I, I absolutely love that um I mean, like, you, you uh, go,
2: uh, like, we'll we'll say it again. We just uh, went to the 30th anniversary show. Uh, if you go back and watch the 20th anniversary show and they show you all the old pictures and video packages from the previous 20 years of Raw, uh, I'm going to assume, I think they were still, like, blurring everything out at that time. So that might be a kind of a rough watch if they haven't gone back to unblur it. Right. So uh, w- one final question before I got to get out of here. Uh are, are these shows uh, being presented commercial free?
1: The uh the the podcast? Yeah. Um at least the first one or two. Why?
2: Because you know when you if you put in the commercials you need to to clip Lord Alfred Hayes saying promotional consideration paid for by the following
1: oh i like that i might have to (laughs) i might have to work on something i might have to work on. oh my
0: gosh paul you should totally do that that's a great suggestion because
1: i
2: i complained about you know the modern commercials with the old show before but at least the one thing we still got at least on these peacock versions uh of raw we still have the couple little clips because that that Lord Alfred Hayes saying promotional consideration paid for by the following is one of these staples of my childhood. I heard that every single WWF show I watched for however long they aired it. And it would always be a little clip of like some new toy or it'd be the Slim Jim commercial with the macho man. Uh, Be an Ico pro ad like I was I'm so happy that they left those
1: in. i I do got to say that is i mean we talked about it before like the you know the the fact that there aren't the uh the 90s commercials in there anymore but i do like the fact that their stuff is and i know that on um some of the podcasts that i listen to they they talk about the the fact that like um like a valvoline or what have you they paid for a spot inside and they're still getting their promotion all these years later
2: yep exactly and that, that might be actually the like the big selling point if I wanted to go back and watch these on VHS that I had originally recorded. Like I could see the wrestling part anytime, but whatever commercials and stuff they aired in between, that stuff is pretty much lost to history. So that would be probably the most interesting part of watching this stuff on VHS.
1: Like I said, we might have to uh, we might have to work something out, maybe a, a content club exclusive. Uh, but before we let them know uh, where they can potentially get that and other uh, uh, stuff from Content Club, Kevin, where can they find you all across the internet?
2: Oh man. Uh, I'm not the biggest social media guy anymore. I used to be, I'm still, you know, the accounts are still there, but you know where I want followers. I want followers on Letterboxd. Find me on Letterboxd, search Kevin Zane or at seventh power or replace the B with the number seven, whatever it is. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Follow me on Letterboxd. Let's talk about movies. That's kind of my, my, my thing now.
1: Let's talk about movies indeed. And one of these days I have at least two kind of movie related things that I've been trying to, uh, Get Kevin to uh, find some time to talk about over on Polynol, which is one of the many shows that we do from the Clock Shelves Entertainment Podcast Network, um, which you can find more about uh, at Clock Shelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's C L O C K S H E L V E S. Kevin, of course, has been on a variety of things over there, um, as has uh, my co host and several other people. So go check those out, whether it be Polynol or Buffyverse and converse, or MCU and me, and so much more. Um, and for Content Club, as I said before, that is your hub. Go sub, throw some dough if you choose to do so. That is at patreoncom shelves. Once again, that's C-L-O-C-K S-H-E-L V-E-S. All right, so uh, thank you, Kevin, so much for being on the
0: show with us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and of course, it's always good to have you. And it's nice to meet you, by the way, and um. So for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Neoplasmic24. That's N-E-O-P-L-A-S-M-I-C-2-4. And um, you can also find me, of course, with my buddies at Renegade Pop Culture. Uh, That would be at Ren Pop Culture, Ren Not Stimpy, on Twitter and Facebook. And also RenegadePopCulture.com. That's for all of our articles, all of our podcasts. Basically, whatever you need from us is going to be on there. Um, you can also find me on my friend's uh, Twitch stream uh, uh, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, Tuesday nights at 7, and then Thursday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern. And <clears throat> that is twitch.tv slash somebishnamedred. <laughs> That's S-O-M-E-B-I-S-H-N-A-M-E-D-R-E-D. And um, you can also find me on tw- on Twitch as well pretty soon that should be starting up it's going to be twitch.tv slash neoplasmic and that's pretty much it all right uh paul back to you
1: <laughs> all right and for neoplasmic um i would like to say thank you kevin for being on the episode grateful to have you here as the third man um and you know let me i'll put it this way so far you're our best guest we've had on the show so hey. thank you so much <laughs> Look at that. thank you very much um definitely uh will uh you have as far as i am concerned you have an open invitation if there's anything else uh 1993 or maybe if we do whether it be halfway through the year or at the end of the year the uh the kind of raw recap r a a w reflecting and analyzing wrestling uh recap of raw 30 raw is triple x um you are more than welcome to be on that or any future episode that you would uh, like. We will obviously work out the schedules as much as we can. Um, But yes, until next time, check out Renegade Pop Culture, check out Clockshelves Entertainment, check out Kevin on Letterboxd, and uh, thank you for tuning in to Raw, Reflecting and Analyzing Wrestling.